Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. So I went to Concord today. Uh, the state capitol here in New Hampshire, for the purposes of testifying in favor, or actually I testified in opposition to, I'll explain why in a moment, but testifying in regards to a marijuana decriminalization bill. Uh, we'll get to that here in a bit. But first, a little bit of uh, news update on the presidential campaign. Looks like Fred Thompson has dropped out today, which is good news. Goodbye. <laughs> because he was actually doing okay in some of the uh, the caucuses and primaries. Uh, so he stepped out, which... Again, it means the warmonger vote won't be diluted as much, so that's a bad thing. But at the same time, it also means Ron Paul inevitably will get more attention in mm-hmm. the upcoming debate, which I believe is uh, the 24th, so it's just a few days away. I just, uh, you know, it, we've had so many debates, I, I just wonder, it, it seems like they're not answering any questions anyway, or at the very least, they're certainly not uh, answering in any way that I would consider of any value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm yeah, I just get frustrated when I watch the debates. I, I try to just watch the highlights because if I watch the whole thing, I feel like I'm going to throw something at my computer screen <laughs> and break it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think I've watched a single one of the debates in full. I only watch the Ron Paul segments because it's the only part worth right. watching. Uh, but so that's good news. I mean, it means Ron Paul's going to get more screen time in the next debate and whatever comes after that. And it means the field's down because uh, Hunter dropped out recently, too, right? So the field's mm-hmm. down to uh, McCain, Romney, Giuliani, and Paul. Huckabee. And Huckabee. Uh, though the, the other story in the news is apparently Huckabee, like Rudy Giuliani, is out of cash. Uh, according to the Associated Press, Republican Mike Huckabee said Tuesday his presidential campaign is facing financial difficulties with top advisors working without pay and some aides quitting. Ooh, while Ron Paul's still making millions of dollars in a single day. Raising uh, $1.8 million <laughs> yesterday in yep. the Martin Luther King Day money bomb. And uh, other candidates are just falling out. I mean, yep. they get the press, they're covering them, but... The people aren't really rising up and giving them money like they are to Ron Paul. Exactly. So, again, going to be interesting to continue keeping an eye on this campaign to see what happens because the Ron Paul campaign is worth watching. It's worth paying attention to. He's doing something very unusual, and that is he's the one candidate actually talking about freedom. He's the one candidate talking about liberty, and nobody else is even coming close to him. So I told you, Mark, that I was going to uh, t- to call my parents this week. Yes. And if you've listened to the show uh, before for a while, you know that my political, I don't know, what, what do I call this? My relationship uh, with my mother specifically is a little strained when it comes to politics. She She just doesn't like talking to me about it. And... You encouraged me, Mark, to uh, to do this. You encouraged me to call because it's important. You know, it's Ron Paul, and it's important that we encourage our friends and family members to uh, to investigate his his candidacy and and seriously consider voting for him. So I called today. I wasn't really expecting much, and uh, indeed, I didn't get much. Uh, but but she did explain to me that uh, she'd already voted. Apparently, she voted via absentee ballot. They encouraged that uh, down in Florida. In Florida. And so whatever I was going to say wouldn't have made a difference anyway, but just, you know, was curious as to what her thought processes were, if if any at all. And uh, she said the reason she didn't, one of the reasons, I mean, 
she used this as her excuse. I presume it was more than this, but her excuse for not voting for Ron Paul was that he didn't answer a question at the debate to her satisfaction. But don't all the candidates not answer questions at the debates? No, I mean, isn't I, that what their policy is? I didn't debate with her on that. I tried to uh, to say that I, th- I thought she had misinterpreted his answer. It was the question in the most recent Fox debate, the beginning of this month. The question was about the Straits of Hormuz and that little military encounter that they'd had with the, the little speedboats. Mm-hmm. Remember that question? Where Ron Paul was talking about how in the past there have been incidents that have been blown out of proportion that we've essentially gotten misinformation about uh, that have led us into wars, like mm-hmm. the Gulf of Tonkin incident uh, in, the, in regards to the Vietnam War. And he was making that point, and in the middle of him making that point, he was interrupted by one of the moderators, Britt Hume, one of the Fox News moderators, interrupted Ron Paul during his, uh, his answer and said, well, uh, Dr. Paul, uh, all of these candidates have said they would uh, not have, or that, that they would have been passive, and which was nonsense. The answers from the other candidates, I think, included Mike Huckabee talking about opening the gates of hell. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I don't think that, I think Ron Paul was kind of surprised by him making that assertion that the candidates were all claiming that they were passive. And Ron said, well, yes, we do need to be cautious and then went on to continue making his points about uh, being very careful about getting into war and how uh, it seems like this, the CIA and other organizations within the federal government are doing everything they can to, to rattle sabers and, and get us into war. So that was what my mother claimed was why she didn't vote for Ron Paul. Well, that's why I don't know. I find that Ron Paul answers questions better than almost yeah. any other candidate. He's the one that totally. you can count on from getting a straightforward answer. And right, whether which you, is why I think that she's full of it. Right, he's honest, and that's something you can't say about any of the other candidates. And whether you, you agree with him or disagree with him, he's honest and he'll answer the questions, and that's something you, you don't get from the other candidates. Right, he was actually on the morning show here in Keene on our local uh, talk station, and the guy that hosts the show, Dan Mitchell, the program director of the station, made a comment. He only had Ron on for about 10 minutes because Ron's a busy guy and he's in and out on these interviews. Uh, but he had Ron on for 10 minutes. He said, Ron, you've answered more questions in, I think, 10 minutes than all of the other candidates have ever responded to on this show. Uh, so he really gave Ron that compliment to say, wow, you're really straightforward. You really are answering the questions. You're not beating around the bush. So they got through more questions in 10 minutes than all of the other candidates combined. That's great. I think that um, it's something that the other candidates just can't do because they don't come from the principled message. Uh, they don't have the principal foundation that Ron Paul coming, is coming from. Um, right. And so it's easy for him to be straightforward and honest when he's coming from a platform that is principled. So I think that was just uh, kind of a pathetic excuse on my mom's part to just pawn off an answer to me as far as why she didn't vote for Ron Paul, so I'd leave her alone about it. Perhaps she was looking for, uh, you know, she'd been looking for some reason uh, to give you all along. And, ah, there's one. He didn't answer that question <laughs> yeah. to my satisfaction. Yeah. Um, so, and and then I, I asked my dad, you know, did, did he vote? And my dad has has been a libertarian in the past, uh, though it seems as though he's been influenced to some extent by my mother. I'm not sure what all is going on behind the scenes, but he claims that he's still registered as a libertarian, and so therefore he couldn't vote in the primary. And I said, well, why didn't you re-register as a Republican and vote for Ron Paul? He said he didn't, he didn't want to vote for Ron Paul for the same reason. Wow. <laughs> so some libertarian, huh? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say about so that. So there you go. That's about what I expected to happen. But, uh, hey, I did it. I said I'd do it, and I said I'd, I would uh, explain to you what the results were. So there you go. 
800-259-9231 if you want to share your frustrating uh, conversations with your family members about Ron Paul. Feel free to chime in because I know I'm not the only one. 800-259-9231. So I, read, I wrote her an email explaining what happened in that segment. I put the YouTube clip up for that one exact segment she was referring to. That way she could get a little mm-hmm. recap on it. And I explained what happened in the segment. And I said, well, you know, it's all right because Mark's mom's voting for Ron Paul, so it'll cancel out whoever it was, uh, whichever uh, warmonger you chose to vote for. <laughs> anyway, today I was in Concord, and there was a bill that was uh, up for, I guess, in, in a committee. They were looking at decriminalizing marijuana here in the state, possession of 1.25 ounces, of up to one one and a quarter ounces of marijuana. They're they're talking about reducing the penalties on that from two, a $2,000 fine and a misdemeanor, so jail time. Yeah, up to a year in jail. Right. Uh, reducing it from that to only a $200 fine. So it no longer would be something they could put you in handcuffs for on the spot and take you, take you to a prison cell. And I had gone there with a number of other Free State Project members, and we there, there were some really great uh, testimony in favor of this bill. Many of our listeners uh, were there uh, testifying in favor of it, and it was very, very, very good. In fact, there were only three people that were there to testify against it. One was the New Hampshire Chiefs of Police, the of head of the Chiefs of Police. Second was the Attorney General's drug prosecutor. She was there. Of course, her job's on the line. And then the third person was me. I testified against the bill as a member of New Hampshire Organized Crime. I'll read you my testimony here. It's kind of fun. It got a few laughs. 800-259-9231. This is your show. You can bring up anything. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there, totally free, and they include the archive. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just go and get them on the house, right there on the front page. Click and download. It's that simple. Head over to freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are training, uh, trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359. Once again, for SACL CAI, our number is 800-259-9231. I said, I promised last night I would go ahead and recount what happened today, this afternoon in Concord, at the hearing for a marijuana uh, marijuana decriminalization bill. Now, the the two times I've been to the State House, I've just felt like it's been a waste. I've just felt like it's been a waste of time. And I, I go because... I like the activists, and I want to support them in, in what they're doing. I like the people that it are... It sure would be great if uh, the, the bills that are getting heard would be, get passed. It sure would be. And, you know, to that extent, I'm willing to help out on this issue. I'm not going to go... I mean, you know, we live an hour away from Concord. It's not... I'm not enough of a political animal uh, to, to go up every single bill that has some level of interest. To me. If there were 300 people there in support of this bill today, that might have made some kind of difference, right? Yeah, there was probably only... 30. Uh, 
but they were mostly our people. There were, in fact, only two people there that were testifying against this decrim bill. And as I said before, it was the New Hampshire Attorney General, uh, one of her people, and the chiefs, the New Hampshire Chiefs of Police, the head of the Chiefs yeah. of Police. People being paid to be there, not... Pretty much, yeah. Whose and jobs are going to be dramatically affected and likely... Um, as far as they're concerned, for the worst. Yeah, and you can bet that the people who were there in support of this bill were not being paid to be there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in uh, any way. In fact, many of them were Free State Project members, uh, people that had moved to New Hampshire in order to get active for liberty. And so it's great to see the Free Staters doing exactly what they came here to do, and that is get active, uh, both in the political arena and outside of the uh, the political arena. So in this case, uh, I could have stayed home, and I'm sure many of the people that were there would have made similar points I would have made had I testified in favor of the bill, but I testified against the bill, and I testified against the bill on behalf of New Hampshire organized crime. Now, this is actually something that I came up with last year. They were hearing a similar piece of legislation, and I just sort of came up with it on the spot. You know, what would happen if one of our people, one of the people that's in favor of re-legalizing marijuana and other drugs, took the side of the pro- prohibitionists? What would happen if we, uh, I don't know, there, there's, a, there's a term for this where you are essentially, I don't know if it's devil's advocate, it's not really being devil's advocate necessarily, but it's... Uh, Taking a creating a character. I, I created a character for myself. I was representing this fictitious organization called New Hampshire Organized Crime because there are very clear groups that benefit from prohibition. Cops benefit from prohibition in that they you know they get money from the federal government and they uh, they've got this vice squad and they get to they get to take money uh, money from people in cars mm-hmm. and homes via asset forfeiture. Uh, clearly, the government benefits by getting uh, more people into the system. The prison system benefits by filling more jail cells, giving them an excuse to build more jails. So we know that the state government benefits and the federal government benefits. But what about the uh, the gangsters? What about the drug dealers? What about the high-level uh, organized crime, the criminals that are behind bringing these drugs to marketplace. We never hear from them. They never show up to these hearings to, to, uh, to testify. So I figured we would create that. And so I got up there, and this, is, this only took about 60 seconds. Uh, I'm here to speak on behalf of New Hampshire Organized Crime. This is what I said this afternoon. Clearly, this legislation is a first step toward ending government prohibition, and that would be a mistake. Thanks to prohibition, drug dealers can sell products with quality control ranging from satisfactory to downright dangerous. In many cases, we're able to defraud our customers, and our victims have no way to get justice, as black market transactions have no place in your government courts. That, combined with the risk created by government prohibition, allows our unnecessarily large network of middlemen, and even our street dealers, to make profits in the thousands of percents. Make no mistake, if you eventually end prohibition and drugs end up in the hands of New Hampshire businessmen instead of criminals, quality and safety of product will increase and profits will drop to the low double digits. Please don't listen to these crazy liberty people. Prohibition and the black market it creates provides tremendous profits for New Hampshire organized crime. For those of you voting no on this legislation, I would like to thank you on behalf of all of New Hampshire's criminals. You're keeping us in business. And it's really true. I've talked to drug dealers who have said, I do not want marijuana or any other drugs to become legal because sure. that would put me out of business. Yep. And well, not necessarily. They could go legit. It's just that it would be much more <laughs> difficult for them. And most of them aren't. I mean, people who are the big guys who find themselves involved in um, drug dealings are usually people who will go switch to some other sort of crime anyways. You so think so? I think that a lot of the people who are involved in 
crime will just switch to something else that's a black market substance. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, th- but there's only so many other black market substances. And we advocate legalizing the ba- vast majority of them. <laughs> right, because if you, if you re-legalize all drugs, then they can only really get involved in gambling, gun running, right. and prostitution. I mean, there aren't too many other prohibited products. Well, you've got to legalize all the drugs. That's true. Um, so, you know, I, got that, I read that, and uh, it got some laughs, and I, I think it broke up some of the, uh, the seriousness of the occasion, and I think it, I think it made the point that, that it was supposed to make. Um, and there was some great testimony by uh, Brad Jardis. He is the only member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition who is an active street cop. The only one. Of their 5,000 members, he's the only one who's actually active. That and takes guts. He's an awesome, very brave young man. In fact, uh, I say young man, he's a little older than me. But, uh, but compared to many of the cops, he's, he's still a young guy. And uh, he's really put his career on the line because he's gotten threats. Uh, the chiefs of police last year, they called to have his boss fire him after he testified in favor of the bill last year. And this year, he managed to be the last person to go, which was nice. So the, the guy from the Chiefs of Police got up and read off his propaganda and just his, you know, the typical cliched nonsense we always hear mm-hmm. about, well, marijuana's more more potent than it ever was in the past, and, you know, all the Was this the, the, guy, the, the Chief, Chief Chiefs of Police? Of hmm? Was the, the guy from Bo? No, he was the head of the Chiefs of Police. I don't know which... That's who it was chief, the last time. I don't know which chief he was, but he's the head of the whole organization. And uh, so Brad, our man from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, got to go last, and he really wrapped it up well. In addition, this time around, uh, again, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, you can go to their website, leap.cc. If you're a law enforcement officer, highly recommend you take a look into them. Even if not, you can still join their organization. They're a great group. But uh, they keep expanding. You know, people, law enforcement officers keep finding the organization. They keep learning about it, and they keep joining. And so this time out, we had a different Leap member. And this one, it, this guy's also active, but he's not a cop on the streets. He's the warden. He's the superintendent of the Cheshire County prison system. Oh, that's great. So that's actually where we happen to live in New Hampshire. Uh, and so this guy got up there, and he's been in the criminal justice system for his whole life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, talk about a man with credibility to these people, these re- elected representatives. He knocked it out of the park. That's I mean, great. if this bill doesn't pass, <laughs> I, I think I have a lot of hope to. It's going to happen. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. The writer's strike coming up. Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. Talk Live, you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Features for free. We've got a wiki with over 1,500 pages created by listeners just like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. WYKI.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? It bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. Again, our number is one 800 259 
9231. As always, a lot to talk about tonight, including a Jose Padilla update. Haven't talked about his case in a while. Mark, you're going to have that for us here in a little bit. But first, interesting little story about how the marketplace has reacted to this writer's strike. As you are probably well aware, if you're a TV watcher, I myself don't have cable, so I don't really pay attention to the world of television. But from time to time, uh, news items will sneak out about the world of television. And, of course, the writer's strike was a pretty mm-hmm. big news item. Uh, in fact, it's been going on for, for quite a while now at, at this yeah, point. I don't have TV in it. I don't watch TV via cable or satellite or anything. But I sometimes watch online television shows. And it's gotten to the point where it's it's caught up to me. But like I've, I've noticed the pinch because the shows that I sometimes watch online, well, they're not being they're not made there. anymore. <laughs> Well, it, and it's resulted uh, in a number of people being put out of jobs. In fact, somebody had sent me an email recently chastising me for calling the writers greedy uh, the other day because they wanted an increase in the amount of royalties mm-hmm. that they would be getting from DVD sales and other things that would, you know, that are sold on into the future. And uh, I, I think that they are. Um, if the, if what they're doing is resulting in other people losing their jobs uh, in the grips and the the, uh, the the people that are behind the scenes, the board operators, the uh, the cameramen, uh, if all of those people have lost their jobs as a result of these writers um, c- crying and complaining that the producers don't want to come to the table with what they're asking for, I think calling them greedy is is pretty fair. Well, the grips and the best boys and all those those people wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for the writers either. That's not true. You see, the writers are part of a union called the Writers Guild of America. Mm -hmm. And if it weren't for the union, then they could hire any old writers they wanted to. But you have to be a member of the union in order to get a job in the business. I don't know. There's some sort of... uh, So some writers have gotten together and exerted their power as those writers in order to get concessions. I don't see a problem with that. Um, I mean, if they're so valuable, if their service is that valuable, I don't have a problem with them exerting force, uh, you know, force in the uh, exerting their influence, I should say, um, to get what they want. That's not a problem. And, you know, I mean, I kind of see it from both sides. I'd like to see the problem resolved Mm -hmm. is what I'd like. But if the writers want something, then that's fine. Um, You know, strike. It's the only thing they've got. Right, well, that's fine, and they can strike. It's just that uh, for them to get upset when somebody else decides, you know what, we're going to put our show back on the air without you writers. We're going to go and do it anyway, like Jay Leno has done, and a couple, I think one or two of the other night shows have decided to do. They've gone on the air. I don't know if they have writers or they're just winging it. Well, I think they have to just wing it. Don't I think something in the contract is they can't use the teleprompter or anything because that's what the contract says. That's why they can't get new writers to write new stuff up there. It's whatever Jay Leno has in his head is right. what he's got to say. Okay, so I think that if they uh, if they go ahead and they put their show back on the air and the writers get all uppity about it, I think that's them being pretty greedy. Like, you know, Jay decided he wanted to get back on the air so he could put his people back to work. Mm-hmm. That was his motivation. He said, look, I've got a cameraman here that have bills to pay. You know, they expected they were expecting to come to work all year, and then you guys decide you don't want to work for whatever the rate is that you were you were previously getting paid, and now you're putting all these other people out of jobs. I think that's uh, that's an awful position for them to put those other folks in, and uh, I think that Jay Leno and his crew were absolutely in the right to uh, to break the uh, the strike and to go back on the air. So, regardless of how you feel about what uh, words well, I've chosen to use, some of them made deals with the writers' union, is my understanding. At least uh, Worldwide Pants did. 
That's yeah, point. I understand that, but I don't believe the Jay Leno show did. I believe they uh, essentially broke the uh, they broke the picket line, okay. if you will. Because remember, they were very upset that Ron Paul walked through the picket line in order to go on to the Jay Leno show because the writers were outside. They were outside protesting the Jay Leno show for going back on the air. How dare you bring entertainment to the people? How dare you bring entertainment to uh, television viewers without our permission? I just think that these writers are really full of it, personally. And uh, apparently the marketplace uh, thinks so, too. Uh, according to Reuters, looks like the Hollywood writer strike is a boon for the DVD and video game industries. According to a survey released Thursday from new media consultancy company Interpret, TV viewership has suffered because of the strike, particularly for dramas and sitcoms. Interpret finds that 27% of respondents are spending less time watching network series, and 12% are watching less cable and satellite series. Conversely, 43% of respondents say they're spending more time watching DVD movies, and 23% say they're watching more DVDs of TV series. Another 26% say they're spending more time playing video games. Even reading has gotten a boost, with 38% reading more books and magazines. So, as far as I'm concerned, this is great news. The writers thought they were going to upset the American public and, and make them call their TV stations and call ABC and CBS and demand they come back to the table with their concessions and make a deal with these writers. And the American public is just like, eh, it's just TV. Let's pick up a book. I think it's great that Americans aren't that addicted to television to where they were doing what the writers were hoping they would do. They just decided, oh, well, we got all these other options. We'll uh, pop in a DVD, pop in a video game. Screw this television. We'll wait. Maybe they'll come back someday. Maybe they won't. Yeah, I'm just wondering if once they do come back eventually, uh, I assume they'll come back someday, if people are going to go back to them or if they're oh, going to go back. Well, I think that there's some people that might permanently just... Be like, well, I I liked what I was doing better before. I like my life. Because that's what it took for me is actually not having TV to enjoy not having TV. Really? Once I got rid of it, I was like, wow, I have all this extra time to do (laughs) stuff. I'm not getting it back. That's a good point. And so I think that there's some people that might see how valuable reading is and read instead of watching TV when they actually come back. I think that's an excellent analysis. I I don't know what the percentages will be. Inevitably, some people are going to go back because they're looking for of that course. television viewing. They're looking to be entertained by the uh, the motion picture box. Uh, but uh, but I think you're right. I think a number of people will be very satisfied with their new lifestyle. So these these writers will be being paid more, but their viewership will be is going to be a little bit less. <laughs> so they're actually worth less than so they'll break even when it's well, they get a larger percentage of less money. <laughs> yep, there you go. Uh, so again, 38% more now reading books and magazines. Uh, Interpret CEO says the strike makes scripted programming more valuable than ever. As top shows disappear from primetime, viewers may go back and view critically lauded TV series they missed the first time around, play more video games, or watch more movies on DVD. Uh, so the strike began in early November. One of the main sticking points is Internet revenue. The writers want a share of ad revenue from online broadcasts of TV programs. And so, you know, this really goes back to the idea of this intellectual property concept that once you create something, that you somehow deserve to be paid in perpetuity for that. And I think that if we change that system to be, you know, whatever your deal is with the networks is what you get. Mm -hmm. So where if your deal is you get paid for a script and that's it, you crank out the next one, you get paid for that script, they wouldn't have this uh, this leverage uh, that they currently do. Well, you know... (laughs) 
This is the same issue with uh, that the people argue about all the time with uh, sports players. You know, uh, they they negotiate what they negotiate. The money's out there. Somebody's going to make the money, and if it isn't the owner, then it's going to be the writer. It, you know, the produ- if it isn't the producer, it's going to be the writer. If it isn't the writer, it's going to be the actor. Somebody's going to make the money. The money's got to go somewhere. And so, as far as I'm concerned, the actors, uh, you know, the actors should get whatever share that they can negotiate for. The writers should get whatever share they can negotiate for. The problem is that they may very well harm their own industry. And if the the actors or the writers guild is going out there and harming their own industry, well, that's bad for them. But everybody signed up to be on board with a writer. If you let the actors write these things, or if the, you let the producers write these things, you'd have crappy things that no one would want to buy. So yeah, that's true. But there are writers out there that would love to work without joining the Writers Guild, and so I wonder if it's if there's any way to break into the industry without having to join the Writers Guild. Will the longer s- they strike, the better chance we have of finding out. I think you're right about that, and hopefully we will find out in the future. Here, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Don, Dave, and Kevin all on the line. Your calls coming up. You can take control and bring up anything. It's free talk live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. Features there for free. So enjoy those on us. If you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping at our store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. Pick up some great Free Talk Live branded merchandise. And while you're at it, snag yourself a copy of Barry Cooper's Never Get Busted. It's an excellent DVD. We highly recommend it. Uh, it'll help uh, you, you if you are a drug user uh, or a family member or a friend who might happen to be a marijuana consumer. Keep themselves safe from police search and seizure and uh, possible arrest and maybe even save them thousands of dollars in legal fees. Uh, highly recommended video. We'll throw it in for free if you order over $75 of product, uh, including the shipping cost, at our store. Go to store.freetalklive.com to get the details and access the shopping cart. That's store.freetalklive.com. Let's go right into your phone calls and talk to Don in Missouri. Don, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hello? Hey, Don, what's on your mind? All right, I have a couple of points to make. Uh, first one about the writer's strike. Um, I kind of don't think that the writers were, like, hoping that American people would go out and speak up for them, but this will also hurt the uh, news, comp- uh, news corporations, the big corporations on TV because nobody's watching TV, so how can they sell ads? Mm. So it's going to hurt and affect them just as well as it's going to hurt and affect uh, the writers that are on strike. Um, another point that I want to make up is that I'm very happy that Ron Paul – is still in the race. Um, yeah. With uh, he's not going anywhere. No, he's got plenty right. of money, and and he's gonna he has the money to stay in the race. And for me, I look at it like this: the more these guys drop out, the more that people will be exposed to his message. And with them basically ignoring him and looking over him, and he only gets five to two, three minutes in each debate, he'll get more time to speak. Uh, and this just expose people more and more to his message. And I just think that is good. Um, Absolutely. McCain really doesn't have the money, but he has the momentum of of the people. And Romney is basically borrowing money from himself to keep himself afloat. So, and, and Huckabee, I don't really think the conservatives really want someone that wants to have a flat tax. Uh, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, he doesn't have any money either. So. Well, well, of course, and sooner or later he will drop out, just like after uh, Giuliani loses uh, Florida, he will be out the race too. Um, second, third point. 
uh, I want to share my positive story sure. that I have been trying to expose my family to Ron Paul's message, and uh, it's been an up-and-down battle, but I have made headway with uh, my mother-in-law and my wife. Hmm. Uh, I've come from a Democratic family, mm-hmm. and they particularly are, you know, against the war, so that was kind of some of the issues that I used, but one thing that they are not for is taxes, surprisingly, and uh, with the economy going the way that it is going, uh, they tend to like Ron Paul's message more and more about his economics because it makes sense. Um, to give them freedom of choice to spend their money the way that they want to because the government has not done a good job of spending it for them, um, that, 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 uh, they, they get that message. I mean, they just feel like they can do a better job than what the government has done. So um, it's, it's really been going well with me and my family and uh, talking to them. Wow. A lot of them really haven't heard of him. Um, they think that anybody that's not a crook or, you know, doesn't stay the status quo of a Republican or Democrat, they think that something is wrong with him. So kind of when I told them about he's, he doesn't accept the money from uh, Congress, they were mm-hmm. like, oh, well, he's a crook. You know, something is wrong that he doesn't take the money from. So <laughs> it's been going really well with them, and I just continue to try to uh, enlighten other people, which has been a struggle. That is, uh, that's what you got to do. Have, um, can I go out on, may I go out on a limb here uh, just with a question? Are, are you black? Yes. Okay. Um, and that, that's excellent. And I, it really just goes to show what I've said for years on this show, and that is that, uh, that the libertarian message has a natural constituency with, uh, with many blacks in America because, you know, essentially the, the government is, is still holding black people down. Even though, you know, plantation slavery is over, we've all been enslaved now, and the, uh, the way government regulations are written, it, it affects poor blacks just as it affects poor whites and, and poor Hispanics. And, and uh, you're, you know, you're, as a black man, you're still being discriminated against by this government. So, uh, and especially with the war on drugs as well, have you found that to be a persuasive issue with your family at all? Absolutely not. Uh, my family pretty much they understand the uh, the whole war on drugs thing. I guess um, I'm the one that posted a blog on the BBS about uh, trying to enlighten minorities to uh, Ron Paul's movement, and a lot of things they don't really care. They kind of feel like it's the law. You know, it's kind of like uh, immigration with uh, conservative Republicans. You know, it's the law. They shouldn't do it. But the fact is, really? they don't really look at it like if it wasn't the law, you wouldn't have these people within our community doing these things because there would be no business for them to do it. Um, they would have to go to a store, which would be safer. I mean, I try to use a lot of arguments that you guys use, mm-hmm. and it just kind of like goes over their head. Uh, I'm still looking and searching for ways to help them understand. But I don't really fault them because I kind of thought the same way. The thing is, I realized that the government couldn't do anything for me because – if they make a mistake, they basically say, well, uh, we'll follow this one person, but give us some more money and we can, we'll, we'll work it out the next time. And then, you know, they'll make another mistake and say, well, we need more money. We'll create more jobs. And with them controlling so much uh, employment for us, it's going to be hard to eliminate the government. And they, they're afraid shit. Them. They're afraid that, uh, you know, they'll be out of a job and, you know, the poor people will stay poor, and they don't understand that the way we get taxed now is, is only keeping us poor. Uh, yeah. Rich people will always be rich. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, they can they can handle a tax increase, uh, unlike poor people, where every little bit really counts a lot. 
Absolutely. So I find it so. interesting that uh, that taxes has been a uh, an actual persuasive issue. I think that when you're when you're talking about the war on drugs, maybe trying to to bring it home uh, to, to a personal level might be a way to to be effective. In that, you know, if you're talking with your grandmother, for instance, she may believe it's the law, but at the same time, how would she feel if her grandson or another loved one were to be picked up for uh, for possession of marijuana? I mean, would she would she be okay with that? Well, no, I, I'm not speaking uh, specifically towards my family. As I said, that they are very, they're very open-minded to the idea. Besides the fact that they feel like he's uh, not electable, um, you know, they they like what he's saying. Um, when I was speaking of, I'm speaking of, I blog a lot, so I try mm-hmm. to enlighten other people. And the demographic demographics that I uh, talk to are younger black uh, people. So I'm trying to get them into politics, and that's where. I am. As far as my family goes, uh, the older people are more concerned about uh, the well-being of the senior citizens, which I can understand that. You know, and I try to sure. tell them that Ron Paul would not cut off uh, spending right away to uh, to the older folks. Right. Um, he wants he to make it so them. young people you know, they have the into the system. So why would he just cut them? You know, off. Right. They, so I don't. You I'm know, not they, mad at them for taking the money that they have obviously paid into the system. Right. They paid in all their lives. They somebody. deserve to be able to get uh, something out of Social Security. Um, the government, I, I feel, is responsible for paying them. I just think that people should be able to opt out of the system. And if that's they what so he's choose. talking about: is letting young people that's, decide to uh, absolutely. To, to and bail when I out. say this, that they look at that as a crutch, and I'm just like, I want to be able to spend my money the way I want to, and that that's not how it's supposed to work. I mean, it's it's really amazing to me. Like as I said, though. I thought that way. So I'm trying to, when I speak to them, I try to speak as if I was thinking the way that they were. And it's an uphill battle, but I continue to to keep trying. Well, you're making but, um, progress, and I really appreciate the call and the information, and keep up the good work, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Don. 800-259-9231. Really, the Ron Paul campaign making inroads into areas where no other Republican candidate would ever have been able to really make any inroads. Into, de- you know, black Democratic households? Yeah, I, you, you certainly wouldn't have heard that any, elsewhere. Coming on board and supporting a, a Republican candidate who, again, if you know Ron Paul, you know he's not your typical Republican. He's got nothing in uh, common with those other guys. But the one thing that the Paul cam- um, campaign has probably battled against, besides the media trying to shut them out, is, um, you know, accusations of racism. Yeah. Well, as he pointed out, I was gonna—I thought about asking that question, but he pointed out that his family was barely even aware of Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. So if you aren't someone who's a political junkie and you're not watching CNN or Fox News all day long, odds are good you're never going to see anything about Ron Paul, and so you'll never even hear the accusations of racism. Well, they may come back later when he gains more popularity and more support. You know, They might try to hit him with that again, or who knows, maybe they'll dig something else up. I was talking to a uh, an ad buyer today for a major um, a- advertiser that uh, does a lot of radio, and uh, you know the first the question was uh, so what kind of political slant do you guys have? Libertarian. Well, you're not white supremacists, are you? Oh, jeez. I said no. <laughs> We're libertarians. He said, well, that's what Ron Paul's having trouble with right now, and I just want to make sure. I'm like, no, actually, one of the uh, guys that works for the show is black, real black. So, no. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. Hour 2 is on the way. If you're on the line, we will get to your call. 
you can take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. The latest on the Jose Padilla situation. And Toby's got a story about a drive through arrest. We'll find out what that's all about. And take your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number two of the program. Uh, we will go right into the phone calls. Let's start with Dave in Ohio listening on WAIS. Hey, Dave. Hey, guys. i got to testify in the next couple of days at the state house. Okay. On including people with MRDD on county boards, and I'm in favor of it. What is MRDD? Mental retardation and developmental disability. So the the issue is whether or not mentally retarded people should be able to get on county boards. Uh, it's they're we're wanting them too, so we have a voice in local politics too. Hmm. You know, I I'm in favor of it. I think that if we put uh, mentally retarded people on government boards, it probably would do a lot less damage uh, than the current bureau, uh, bureaucratic situation. That's what I'm going to say in my testimony. <laughs> Good luck, Dave, and thanks right, for the thanks. thank you. Thank you for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I would love to have a, a mayor who is actually, you know, partially retarded or something. Probably like be that. a lot more clear headed than the yeah. ones we normally get. Yeah, he wouldn't have the same motivations as uh, politically, uh, mis- you know, politically motivated people normally do. I don't think, at least, it'd be an interesting experiment. See what happened. Hey, they can't do worse, that's for sure. <laughs> Probably not. Let's continue with your calls. Uh, talk to Todd in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Todd. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind? Well, I just wanted to make a big announcement here. Um, about two weeks ago, I formally joined the Free State Project. Oh, Excellent. wow. Congratulations. What was, uh, what was it that pushed you over the brink, the uh, straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak? Uh, gee, uh, let's try Michigan's economy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the Free State Project should be uh, advertising heavily in Michigan. Yeah, so um, that was uh, a, a very big factor. And uh, plus, originally, I was going to be moving to uh, Florida um, for school and everything, but mm. I decided against it because well, my business, my ex-business partner and I had uh, different visions. He wanted to do w- one thing, and I wanted to do something else. And I wasn't really happy with the way things were going, and the partnership was starting to feel more like, well, uh, he was the boss and I was the worker being. Yeah, that's that no sort good. Of thing. Um, but uh, I, um, but uh, I would say within the next several years, we'll probably be moving. It just uh, it's a matter of money. Right sure. now, trying to make the move, but uh, we'll be finding houses and, and uh, jobs. Well, congratulations. So. It's an exciting process to be outside of New Hampshire and having committed to making that move to join the Free State Project. And for those of our uh, listeners that might be new to the show, the Free State Project is a movement of 20,000 liberty-loving individuals all moving to New Hampshire in order to be activists 
for freedom and uh, and it's it's a brilliant concept it's already begun the, there have already been a few hundred people that have that have moved uh, we've got 500 Free State Project members in the state of New Hampshire right now. We're expecting another 500 by the end of this year. And, uh, again, the numbers will continue to, to grow and increase. And uh, we, we're already making a difference. Uh, we're standing outside of the legislative office building in Concord today, a group of us all standing around after we were done with the uh, the testimony that we'd been uh, providing on the, mar- uh, the marijuana decriminalization issue that was there. And uh, one of our, one of our uh, free, one of the Free Staters was talking about how he thinks the internet is going to be the key to throwing off the, uh, the the shackles of government from our lives and of course I agreed with them and pointed out that it what's well, it's the internet the reason we were all standing there the internet's the reason why we're doing this show in New Hampshire right now the internet's the reason why there were 30 activists in the state house today in Concord the internet is the impetus behind all of this change it's the internet that's the reason why Ron Paul is able to make to, right. to raise 1.8 million dollars in 24 hours time right and i think that um it's, it really does make a big difference cuz while there were only 30 people of 30 of you guys standing out there today um that message is heard i mean the oh, similar yeah. bill went through a few years ago and one of the reasons it didn't get passed is cuz there was no public support like virtually no public support no one showed up to talk to uh, talk in favor right. right but this time 30 people showed up to talk in favor of it and that's going to be put in the notes and they're going to recognize it and that's only with the amount of people that are already in the state exactly. um, imagine when 20,000 people are here and how many more imagine when th- 300 people show up. I know it. And I mean, for every person that moves here, they also awaken other liberty people. I mean, myself is a well, shining example of that. Exactly. Well, you know, I, being a member for two weeks already, it's uh, it's very exciting, so I can't wait for uh, the move, when, uh, especially time. Uh, but, there was, but, but there was another reason I called. Sure. I, I just wanted to talk quickly about the whole writer's strike. I, I, I know that you guys were talking about this earlier. Uh, look, I, I, I understand why they're striking. Um, I think the writer strike has uh, gone on uh, pretty uh, long enough, and, and it's. I, I think in many ways it's gotten out of hand. Uh, I've seen some of the money these guys get paid, and it's incredible. I mean, the amount of money they get paid just for the script alone is like, like I think it's a spec script that gets them twenty six grand or something like that. I mean, that's especially when they pen crud. Um, that eventually yeah. gets filmed, Ian. I yeah. mean, it's just it's just absolutely um, pathetic. I mean, uh, when some of the stuff that just comes out of the woodwork. But um, absolutely, I'll tell you, well, you, you've got to throw some things at the wall. I mean, in, in defense of Hollywood out there, you've got to throw throw some things out there and see what works. And I'm sure that there's movies uh, that they didn't expect to be huge blockbusters that were, and you know, someone some that they thought were going to be great that weren't. I mean, look at Waterworld. They lost a bundle on that thing. Well, I can think of a, a, a worse disaster, like, um, gee, uh, well, not just Waterworld, but uh, how about um, some of these remakes that have been coming out um, as of, of, of recent? Uh, some of them have been just been terrible. And that's going to be the future of the film industry right now, remakes. <laughs> I mean... It just shows that Hollywood has been running out of ideas. I mean, yeah. originality has just basically, you know, just disappeared off the face of the earth. They were talking I mean, about remaking uh, Escape from New York, and I'm <laughs> thinking, Sna- I mean, Snake Plissken? He's still alive. Yeah, you could have the Kurt same Russell's guy play it. still alive, and you want to remake Escape from New York? Bad? You think that's bad? They're going to be remaking Hellraiser, uh, the Clive Barker movie. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's as bad as it gets. 
<laughs> Unbelievable. But I mean, twenty six thousand dollars. I don't know if it was for a spec script or what it was, but it was just uh, it was a price on a on a one time job. Like I think it was spec script. $26,000 get paid for sitting in your house, tapping away at a computer? I mean, it's not like these guys have big overhead. They need a word processor. I mean, this is not an expensive business to be involved in. So the idea that they're demanding more cash, I just see as completely unreasonable, and I hope the producers stay, stand well, firm. What does the producer do? Break down. Supply some money? I mean, it's not like they even leave their house for it. Ian. Big deal. <laughs> They've got they've got a um you know a rare quantity they have a finite resource that they supply as do the writers mm-hmm. look I don't care if somebody can get in and write God bless them if they have to go through the union to do it fine um the, those union members yeah, manage I think to, that's the problem the union is the problem what yep. we need is diversification that's all yeah yep Todd any other thoughts tonight um. Just the simple fact that the writer's strike is going to go on and on, and I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. Really? And okay. I'm just not convinced that uh, the future of, of Hollywood is going to look good. I think it looks really bleak. But maybe that's just my pessimism talking. But, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll just see um, what happens from there on. Well, very good, Todd. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. You know, I say open it up to the scabs. Open it up to the people that are, are willing to write without joining this union, and let's see what kind of quality we get. Uh, I imagine you'll get all kinds of, uh, you know, again, another wide variation. You'll probably get some crap, and you'll probably get some real gems uh, that are out there from people like, like me. You know, I would never go to work in a town like New York City in the radio business because you have to be a member of the radio union, as I understand it, in order to work in, in that town. And no thanks, I'm not interested in, in joining a union so I'll keep my talents here where where I currently have them in, in Keene. And not, not that I would go anywhere else anyway, but just when uh, earlier in my career, I never wanted to be a part of that. I don't want to play by their rules and join their little club. So Poor Hollywood. They'll never get Ian. Well, who knows what we're missing out on? <laughs> who knows what Hollywood's missing out on? Well, that's right. Who knows indeed? 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. The latest on the Jose Padilla case and a man in California that is refusing to collect sales tax at his business. We'll explore that as well. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are for free, and they include the updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Do you have a will or a living trust to protect your family and yourself in uh, times of crisis? You can go to LegalZoom.com, use code FTL to save 10% and take care of that little problem right now. It's fast and easy. That's LegalZoom.com. By the way, Toby is uh, one of the hosts of Free Minds TV, which has entered into, I believe, you've now done 52 episodes of Free Minds TV. Yes, we are. Over a year's worth of episodes. It is excellent. It is uh, quite a milestone for you guys. The show has come... Uh, a, a tremendous distance uh, in, in the last year and a half that it's been on the air, and uh, it's it's grown, it's matured, and you guys put put together a wonderful presentation. In fact, Dave Ridley at RidleyReport.com did a very nice report on you guys. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, that was really nice. It was uh, well well put together. Stopped by the studio last week, and right, I believe so that's available at FreeKeen.com. 
Yeah, I did post it at freekeen.com, and uh, Dave, of course, uh, did got some behind-the-scenes footage of you guys in action setting up the studio. It really shows how much work goes into uh, getting you guys on the air. It's not like this show where you can walk in a minute before showtime, flip on a microphone, and, and do a radio show. You know, in television, you've got to hang the lights, you've yeah. got to set up the set, you've got to get the lighting pointed in the right direction, you've got to get the cameras tweaked. I mean, it, it's there's, a process. There's way more involved setting up and taking down than you're actually doing the show for. <laughs> right, but you guys uh, you guys have got a bunch of uh, viewers, and you can see Toby's show at TV. Dot com. In fact, uh, I know you guys are going to launch that audio-only edition of the show coming soon, right? Yeah, apparently our mixer is um, on back order, but as soon as oh, that, bummer. we got the microphones, the cables, everything, just the mixers, and okay. still in the mail. <laughs> right on. Well, looking forward to announcing that when it finally happens here on Free Talk Live. Send, you, send some listeners over your way, because I know a number of our listeners, uh, they, they tell me that 18 hours of Free Talk Live just isn't enough. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've got, him, we've got him pointed to Gardner Goldsmith, who tells me he will be back on the air with us next week. Uh, he's been, I guess, spending some time with a lady friend of his who's visiting from Russia. So uh, Gardner will be joining us again. Uh, that's more pro-liberty programming, and then you guys are going to be doing your show. So uh, eventually, hopefully, our listeners' place will be full of uh, pro-freedom audio content. Uh, so 800-259-9231. Mark, the latest on the Jose Padilla case. What is going on? Well, uh, according to the New York Times... Jose Padilla, Padilla, excuse me, I don't know why he keeps saying Padilla, it messes me up. The, Brook, the Brooklyn-born convert to Islam, who was once accused by the government of plotting to detonate a dirty bomb, not convicted of. No, he wasn't even charged with that. No, not even charged with that. <laughs> in the United States, was sentenced on Tuesday to 17 years and four months in oh, prison geez. for his role in a conspiracy to help Islamic jihadists fighters abroad. What was his role? The sentence was more lenient than the federal. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it seems to be all trumped up. Yeah. The, uh, the sentence was more lenient than federal sentencing guidelines recommended. And oh, was so a, they cut him a break, huh? It, well, the, the judge did, yeah. And the blow was to the government, which um, and was a blow to the government, which had requested that the maximum penalty of life imprisonment be, gi- be given to Mr. Padilla, 37. Mm. In explaining her decision, Judge Marcia G. Cook of uh, the Federal District Court in Miami acknowledged the gravity of the crimes Mr. Padilla had been uh, com- had committed. She questioned conspiracy. the range and impact of the conspiracy, saying that there was no evidence linking the men to specific acts of terrorism anywhere or that their actions had resulted in death or injury to anyone. So, wait a minute. The judge herself admitted there was no evidence... Linking the men to any specific, specific acts, acts of, of terrorism, terrorism or anyone getting harmed. Right, or that their actions resulted in the death or injury to anyone. And that's what got him 17 years in pr- federal prison? Well, I mean, to some extent, the judge's hands are tied. I mean, she, you know, she deviated from the sentence. Was that it was, a jury that made this decision? Yeah, remember the red, white, and blue jury? Oh, that's right, those guys. Oh, gosh. So much for a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> wow. Well, it's, it's a reasonable doubt. A reasonable doubt. Yeah, well, that sounds reasonable. But there's no evidence. Well, this is the sentencing phase. This is not the uh, conviction phase. Um, he was convicted by a jury of his peers, as uh, much as I think that that was silly. Yeah, he was convicted before he ever went on trial. Well, he didn't have to be. These Americans could have said, you know what, we want some evidence, government, and they didn't. Well, hand-picked juries. Yeah. She also so noted. Got, oh, she also noted the defendants in uh, well um, in other well-known American terrorism cases have received life sentences for more heinous crimes, including Zacharias Massawi, who was convicted of a conspiracy in connection with the attacks of September 11, 2001, and Terry Nichols, who was convicted of murder in 1995 bombing of the uh, federal building in Oklahoma City. 
Mm-hmm. Over the uh, objections of prosecutors, Judge Cook gave Mr. Padilla credit for the time served during his three-and-a-half-year detention. They didn't want to give him the, the credit for time served Wow! in a South Carolina military brig following his arrest. I mean, this guy is – this is the worst time ever, and they don't want to give him credit for it? Yeah, that should count as triple time or something. <laughs> something. Yeah. Well, they held this man. In case you are not – for some reason not familiar with the case, they picked this guy up. On the again, the allegation that he was involved in some dirty bomb plot turns out they never bothered to charge him with that. So clearly they had no. They evidence. didn't bother to charge him for several years. Right. Well, and when they charged him, it wasn't for anything having to do with a dirty bomb. Uh, they put him in a military brig, a secret location that he had no idea where he was. He wasn't able to talk with any lawyer or any family members. He was locked away by this federal government for over three years. And it was finally down the line when a judge was uh, – when finally they, they let him see a lawyer, they, they brought up the case, and the judge then ordered the federal government to – they said, you either have to release this man or charge him with something. So they finally went ahead and, and charged him with uh, this conspiracy charge here that he's now been convicted of by a jury that was wearing all red, white, and blue, by a jury that, as Toby pointed out, was, of course, handpicked. Uh, to be as as ignorant as possible and as nationalistic as possible, to where they were told by the federal prosecutors that this man is a terrorist. He's working with terrorists. We've got evidence. Okay, he hasn't actually hurt anybody, but we swear he's been conspiring to it's do so. It's a very so. serious accusation. Yeah, and that's really what the judge said here. Well, she realizes it's a serious accusation, and that's why she gave him the the 17 years or whatever. But she says there's no, there's no evidence. That just anything amazing. was um, done. Anyway. The idea that we can have conspiracy charges in America, I think, is anathema to what this country was originally all about, and that is liberty and freedom. And, you know, unless you've actually harmed someone else, you shouldn't get in trouble for uh, for anything. And in, in this case, talking about doing something should not be a crime. Yeah, so how can, it sounds like a thought crime to me. That's exactly I mean, what it is. How, this, is the, this is the terror version of conspiracy to grow marijuana well my question is how did they know that he was uh, conspiring did did they have another one of these fbi plants i mean recently what was it a talk show host um stopped uh, a radio talk show host stopped airing because the uh, you know some hackers found out that he was in fact an fbi plant yeah one of the white supremacist talk show hosts yeah I mean, how many times do they do that? Well, the plot down in Miami. You remember the plot they foiled a year ago down in Miami, or around a year ago down in Miami, where the, you know there were allegedly a terrorist training camp operating. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a, an undercover agent going down there trying to roust people into doing something violent, trying to encourage people to do violent things. They had had not ever considered doing anything violent until this FBI agent came around and started uh, planting suggestions. That's how this stuff works. Well, and now this man, now we're going to be spending $50,000 a year to put Jose Padilla in a federal prison. On the name of safety. Yep. Yep. And it says that the uh, dirty bomb plot allegations the government eventually discarded. Because they had nothing. Yeah. 1-800-259-9231. And those were the original reasons he was picked up. Could this happen to you? You better believe it could. 800-259-9231. Your thoughts. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. 
That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features for free, live streams included, broadband version and a dial-up version as well. Both free for you, freetalklive.com. We go to the phones. Let's talk to Al in Nevada. Al, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hello, Al. It would be a good thing if uh, Ron Paul would talk about suppressed cures I'm sorry? he knows about because I'll give you an incident I know about personally okay suppressed cures. back suppressed in 1958 cures. Okay. or 59 somewhere around there mm-hmm. there was this man my aunt married uh, married this guy and he came down with cancer the hospitals told him they couldn't do anything for him but he ran over to a doctor knew about it in California who had a lab he took the treatments 48 hours the pain was gone he was after so many treatments, he was cured. Now, this was back in around, you know, like I said, 1958, 59. Mm-hmm. He died in 1998 with no cancer. Oh, and now you're saying it would be good for Ron Paul to start talking about that? Yeah, I will give my – now, may I give my reasons why? Sure. All right. Now, my aunt at the time came down with arthritis. Her hands were crippled up. She couldn't lift a cup. Oh. She went to the same guy, and all of a sudden, she's, later, she's doing her own housework, driving again, doing shopping, cooking, you know, doing so things what was on her this own, treatment? right? Now, this gentleman that had the lab and stuff, his lab was broke into by the FDA and the, uh, you know, AMA and Cancer Society. They hmm. took everything out. and. Oh, I, want, I got news for you. Anybody using distilled water, of course, according to that case, the distilled water in his lab, they declared it toxic. Now, they give radiation to people where their hair falls out. It don't only kill the good cells. Radiation kills the bad cells along with healthy cells, you know, okay. and they don't live that long. And they give these toxins out. Now, the medical society, for years, they've been wanting to get politicians in there where they could have a health control, you know, a health control all the health of people. Right. Well, F- the FDA is constantly well, expanding its uh, sphere of influence. The FDA yeah, is looking well, to regulate vitamins now. Yeah. Now, there, there was several books written by this guy named Kevin Trudeau, all right, called Suppressed uh, called uh, Cures They Don't Want You to Know About and some others. Somebody give me one of his books. And in one of his books, it mentions that the Clintons make millions of dollars selling pharmaceuticals overseas. Now, they could be right in the hands of to able to do what they did to the doctor, chemist, and stuff that I was talking, told you about. They broke into his office. They took all the files, put him out, you know, business. And then people helped him get back into business. The place was broke into again. Mm. And then a couple of weeks after that, supposedly he had an accident where he fell downstairs and was dead at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's that's an awful story. And it does sound like the way I government know, it does the, sound like the way government operates. I, mean, I know, but no, it's the FDA and the pharmaceuticals. Okay, because yeah. the drugs. 
Well, now, we already understand that the FDA, uh, the board of directors there, is is uh, populated with people that are e- either major stockholders or also members of the uh, the pharmaceutical corporation. So there's definitely some uh, some scheming going on. There's definitely some political back scratching going on, and I imagine things like this do happen. My question though is what you why you think this is a relevant issue for Ron Paul to uh, to bring up in his campaign for president? Uh, medical cures that work at you know, it proven to work. And in some of these drugs, they want to put the kids on Ritalin and the stuff in this. It's been proven that when they get off of some of these psychological drugs they put them on, they end up taking the illegal street drugs. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's ever been proven, sir. I've, I've never heard of nuts. such a thing. Yes. Yeah, I've never heard of that. But why do you suggest that Ron Paul make this a campaign issue? I mean, when you're running a campaign, you can only really have two or three main issues. Change medical help that is in stuff that isn't toxic or non-toxic, some of it. Maybe sometimes it has to be used, but not all the time. There are alternative things that work. Do you think and that? Another, I, and look, I'm all in favor of alternative uh, of alternative treatments. I think the FDA should go away. I think we should get rid of it entirely and let mm-hmm. the marketplace decide what is and what is you know what is not available. Let people on their own consult with whoever they need to consult yeah, with. and that was mixed with decisions. the cancer society. Then another thing I wanted to talk about was: Did you ever hear of the? No, maybe you haven't heard of it because I was living in San Francisco at the time and I attended these meetings called the SF Tesla Society. And there was a gentleman who came in there from this company called Z-E-B-C-A-T, Zebcat. Now, he's showing this film on this Zebcats and these, ca- these Zebcat autos run by compressed air. But he said also, when you turn the air conditioning up, ice forms inside the car. So I thought to myself... Gee, that can be used for refrigeration, possibly. He also mentioned there was a motorboat that runs on compressed air. Ten minutes to charge and about, I think it's 200 and something miles, 68 miles or something on a charge of compressed air. When he said, when the tanks, if the tanks get a leak in it, there's no explosion. It just blows out like a yeah. air. It's air. Well, you know, uh, were you the guy that called in last night about the electric car? Yeah, about the other car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's out. It's on the marketplace, and are you, you're suggesting they what, the, somebody suppressed the compressed air car. Is that what you're going to get to? Yeah, this is another deal. Okay, so if you con- if you get in contact with Bay Link and the area code four one five. No, that's okay. Not interested in doing that. But if you can go ahead and make I your point. You, or, yeah, but you know that's the point though. And uh, well, on that on that other on those kind of stuff, those cars and stuff, those would be good photo op for somebody who really needs a boost in their uh, president campaign. Yeah, I don't think Ron Paul's the kind of guy. I don't think he's the kind of politician that goes around looking for photo ops. I I just don't get that impression. He's very humble. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Al, thanks for the call and the suggestion. I don't know. Mark, you had said last night that... uh, Yeah. Thank you for the call, Al. Uh, You had said last night, Mark, that uh, some people were criticizing the Ron Paul campaign for not talking about the uh, the medical industry and healthcare in, in America. Well, it's a big issue. Right. So uh, how do you feel about Al's suggestion that he's uh, talk about suppressed cures? <laughs> um, I think that that would garner him some votes, but might drive some people away. 
um, because they would think that you know it would he would sort of fall in that kooky fringe thing he's been ac- accused of at this mm-hmm. up to this point. I think Ron Paul needs to stay away from kooky fringe um, anything. Yeah, well, I think he might help if there are any of these suppressed cures. He'd definitely help to have him as president, but I think that uh, he'd get on that kooky cringe thing. I mean, he's already suffering from a lot of the conspiracy mongers out there. They marginalize him in the debates for it a lot of the time, and uh, all the news coverage is he's a conspiracy nut, and I think this would just lead him further down that path. Agreed. I don't think that Ron, if he's going to focus on health care, should focus on one aspect, and certainly that's certainly more of a, a conspiratorial aspect. I'm not saying it's untrue. I don't oh, know. I'm sure there's something like that going on. Right, right. I, I mean, the FDA is a slimy, t- a dirtbag political organization, and, and they, they have the guns of government behind them, and so they can do those things that, that Al was talking about. But it would seem to me that if you're going to talk about health care, Ron Paul, I think, would take the position that we should get the government out of it. He's not going to get up there and evangelize one particular mm-hmm. technique or, uh, you know, this uh, history of suppressed cures. That's not Ron Paul's not trying to give people a, a health history lesson. I think what Ron's interested in doing on that issue is explaining how the government is interfering in our health care choices and that the government is restricting our health care choices. We should have access to alternative methods of health care. There shouldn't be a monopoly on the doctor system. There shouldn't be a uh, government-approved monopoly as far as uh, medications are concerned, in that the FDA taking all this time, I guess monopoly is not the right word, but the government has the monopoly over approval of medications. All of that shouldn't be there. It should all be handled by the marketplace. And if we let the marketplace handle health care, we're going to see costs come down. We're going to see uh, freedom increase. We're going to see more options in the marketplace. And that's healthy. We want that. We want those choices as consumers. That's what you should focus on. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. Features for free. Enjoy them on us. If you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then you should become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send us three bucks a month. We take that money in. We turn it right back around and reinvest it into the show and get on more radio stations across the country. Spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as fast as possible. You get perks, too. Get access to the Amp Only call-in line, Amp Only chat room, the forum, and more. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. Again, that's amp. FreeTalkLive.com. Sound money's under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and Secret Service on November 14th, and all of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to LibertyDollar.org and sign up for their updates, and then register for the lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. That's LibertyDollar.org. Let's continue with your phone calls. It's Lee in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hey, Lee. Lee in Montana. Going once. Yeah, good day. Hey, Lee, what's on your mind? Well, I had uh, two two versions of the union program for you, contra opinion and a uh, supporting opinion. The union program? Well, regarding well, the you were waiters. talking about unions, and you know there wasn't a lot to be uh, 
gain by having a union and it's counterproductive and so on. No, so no, I, I wasn't talking out against all unions. I just find the Writers Guild to be particularly despicable. That's all. Right. I think that people in a free market should be able to organize themselves. It's just that unions become a problem when government grants them special that, privileges. Uh, this is my double point. Okay, sure. Now, it doesn't affect the writers' union that I can tell, but it might. But my experience after being self-employed for 18 years was I go to work at a smelter. you got to join the union. You have no choice. If you want a paycheck Friday, you will be joining the union. Mm-hmm. They're going to take a chunk of your dough, and that's mandatory. That's not an optional thing. But the point was... Uh, as I found out over time, because I was deathly against unions, having been self-employed all that time, I didn't see any benefit for them. The point was, if you have a dink for a foreman, and the way they do it for like overtime and hours and everything, you know, it goes down the seniority list, so on and so forth, your foreman doesn't like you. And we had a good one for a while, and then one of the hourly guys became a foreman and he uh, he had a power now, so he uh, exercised that to get you to do whatever he didn't want you to do. The other thing is the unions, everybody's the same. You can't outwork the slowest guy in the shop. Yeah, really. How does that work exactly? Um, well, they'll disconnect your air hose. They'll um, screw around with all kinds of stuff. It's just kind of a peer pressure thing. And, so wait, uh, so if you're a better you can't worker, work through your break, you can't. You know, you got five minutes left. It's ten o'clock. It's time for break. You know, so you, you know, by ten o four, you'd have the thing fixed. But oh my gosh, no! You got to take a break and then come back. And you know, there's all kinds of weird stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, so, I know. I used to work uh, a few years back. I worked at Walgreens, and we were opening up a new store, and so we were going in, putting everything on the shelves and stuff. And a union was there to do the construction and certain shelf making, and um, we were way ahead of them on putting stuff up. So I started to put up some shelves and then stock them. And right. it's simple little, just place them on the brackets. And sure. a union sure. guy came up to me. He's like, "Oh no, no, no! You can't do that. that that's our work." Yep. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's my job. I, I'm stuck here with no nothing to do for an hour, waiting for you, God. I don't mind." Let me do it. They're like, oh no! Wow, they're all little empire builders. You know, that's that's what it boils down to. You got your little empire, and you, you go out of your way to protect it. But the thing is, you need a, uh, a situation where, if you have, as they call it, a grievance. First time I heard that, I said, "Hey, nobody died in my family." I guess they call that bereavement. But <laughs> I'm grieving. You know, you, you want to. The union foreman came by and asked me if I wanted to grieve on the foreman. Wait, I'm, I'm, conf- I'm confused. What, what was this grievance about exactly? A grievance was, uh, in my particular case, was I wasn't asked for overtime when I was supposed to be when I was on the thing. I didn't know I wasn't. You know, I just they go down the list and say, do you want to work Saturday? No. Do you want to work Saturday? No. Do you want to work Saturday? Yeah. Well, I wasn't asked. Somehow or another, the union figured out that you know, I wasn't asked when I was supposed to be. And the guy comes by and says, you want to grieve on your foreman? I said, why? Nobody died in my family. And he says, no, grievance. You got a grievance against him. I said, nobody died. He said, well, that's bereavement. That's bereavement. Grievance is when you have an issue. 
So there needs to be a situation where you can grieve on your foreman, and that can all be handled in-house. There's no reason to have the union for that. So they were suggesting that because he didn't ask you if you wanted overtime, that you you could have taken some action against oh, him. Oh, yeah, I would have got a they were encouraging double you time to do and that. a half for the day I wasn't asked for. So they were encouraging you to grieve on the... Oh, the boy, phone. yeah. And most well, most of them would have because it would have been. I guess I don't know. Yeah, and are now, you suggesting Lee that most of them would have because it uh, most of well, most union yeah. members would have grieved because it would have increased their standing in the union and possibly uh, gotten the foreman uh, uh, demoted. Well, it makes you a little shinier with the union, but more importantly, you're collecting double time and a half for a day you didn't do anything on. Oh, so you would have gotten paid retroactively for a day oh, yeah. you wouldn't have worked. There was people that got caught sleeping at work. That were, you know, canned for six months. The union grieved on them. <laughs> they, they collected unemployment for the six months. And then on top of that, they got retro pay when they got rehired. Wow. So, you know, this is where they went wrong. The point is, yeah, you get some foremans and uh, managers that are, get a little out of hand. You need, you need a way to, like, say, hey, wait a minute. You know, I don't need every dirt job in the plant, just a few of them share the dirt jobs with everybody. But the other thing where they were, the thing that shocked me was, and this is really weird because um, when I went there, it, it just, just happened just before I went there, everybody was complaining because they'd cut their deductible from zero to 20%. Who's deductible? Oh, for the insurance. Vision, they had vision, they had... You could get hair transplants. You could get whatever you wanted. So they they do you say they cut it? You mean they increased it? They increased it to well, yeah, percent. yeah, they increased it. But and anyway, instead of having zero deductible, you now had a twenty percent deductible. Okay. So they're sniveling. <laughs> well, having been self-employed, I said I had hundred percent deductible. Sure. <laughs> you know, I had nobody paying but me. Uh, well, yeah, okay. So anyway, they um. They, they kind of didn't grasp that concept in the whole bit. I'm going, well, what are they bitching about? The insurance companies paying 80%. Well, I mean, the gravy train was slowing down. They uh, yeah. they, they yeah. had it free, and then, you know, they could well, go the and use it as much as they wanted. $140,000 uh, every quarter for insurance. Jeez. I mean, I mean, it was just astronomical. Of course, there were 650 people there. But anyway. Right. Well, if a 0% deductible means they can go out and get every yeah, you know, yeah, sniffle yeah. and cold and right. problem uh, solved. Like I said, going bald, you get a hair transplant, uh, your wife, kids, everybody, you, you pay nothing yeah. out of your pocket. And my position was I paid everything out of my pocket. So they're basically just a bunch of spoiled brats, then. Is, is you bet. But right. what I found interesting was a year and a half, two years later... I was kind of on the train, too. Those dirty buggers, they can't do that to me. (laughs) (laughs) You'd been infected by the entitlement mentality. Yeah, I was at the the trough. Wow. It was unbelievable, you know. What, now, what made you? I mean, you figured that out. When did you figure that out, Lee? I mean, what what made you realize that you would come that to that point? Well, that's why I've been self-employed for the last twelve years again. You know. So you gave it up? No, I guess it's eighteen years again. it wasn't my calling, but yeah. it was the best show in town at the time. Hmm. How I figured it out was simple. I just go, this just is contra to my... Yeah, uh, what thinking, am I doing? You know, 
Shock to the system. Well, amazing story, yeah. Lee. Thanks for sharing it tonight. Of Thank you for the call, as always. Thank you, sir. 800-259-9231. So even somebody like Lee, who'd been a business owner, had been self-employed, understood self-sufficiency, uh, rejected many of the union concepts because he was a part of the union, over time, their mentality ended up infecting him. Very interesting. And, um, you know, just uh, getting back and working for himself perverted him. So yeah, hope isn't lost for uh, bureaucrats everywhere. That's right. Or the or people on the dole. All you have to do is change the incentives. Yep, and that's it's really all about the incentives. You change the incentives, and you change the person, and you uh, hopefully they uh, they will improve. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But if you keep taking care of them with the nanny state, then they'll just continue being uh, serfs. More on the way. Hour three's coming up. Paula's waiting. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Coming up here shortly, Toby will tell us about an old lady and a drive through and the cops and what happened with that. Uh, and we'll take your calls as well. Paula dropped off the line, by the way. 800-259-9231. Paula has fans. She just can't go dropping off the line. P- that's why I figured I'd let them know. I don't want them to think I was ignoring her. Maybe she'll call back. I'm, sh- I'm sure she will, <laughs> if not tonight, sooner or later. Uh, Hi, so, you bring up anything, again, 800-259-9231. Real quick story. Since our uh, our affiliate WVTS in uh, West Virginia, Charleston, is picking up, I believe they pick up the third hour of the show, and it's it's delayed by an hour, uh, I wanted to t- tell a little uh, story that I came across that relates to some phone calls we've had recently, or at least one call we've had. Uh, there was a young, young man, I think his name's Cody in Maine, that was asking us about how does one get into radio? And we've been asked this question before, and we've suggested uh, the path of starting your own podcast. And in this case, uh, Cody already has his own podcast, so it's a good uh, good step in the right direction. But people all ask us this frequently. Well, how did you guys get started, or how can I get started? And, of course, you know, when we started, I started a year, uh, 10 years ago at this point. I've been on the air for that long now. So this, the the uh, the industry is different now than it was then. However, there are still similar ways to get involved. And I had suggested to Cody when he called in that you know that he might want to go and get an internship at the local radio station. That way, he could start on the ground floor and start to get to know the people at the station and and you know know them on a personal and, and business basis and and use that rapport that you would generate to eventually pitch a show to them pitch a show idea to to get your your show on the air because he wanted to do talk radio so again the question how does one get in to talk radio and mark we've always been advocates of of uh, getting your own podcast getting out there on the internet putting your product online Letting people listen to it for free. That's what podcasting uh, is, is all about. And, uh, of course, Toby, you, you have your own podcast. You podcast an audio version of Free Minds TV. That's right. Which people can subscribe to over at freemindstv.com. So that's, that's a great first step. 
simply because it will give you some idea of how to talk into a microphone, uh, allow you to create your on-air personality, practice at, at, you know, if you have the ability to take calls, interacting with your listening audience, just sort of get the real basics down of, of promoting or doing, doing a show. And uh, I think that's very valuable. I think that people that want to get involved in radio should be doing that. But I want to tell you an interesting story that has to do with the morning show at one of our affiliates, WVTS, in Charleston, West Virginia. I got an email from the, the host of the show. His name's Andy. Uh, the show's called Andy and Company. And he was just talking to me about possibly getting his show syndicated and, you know, what's it take to do that? Because he's already on the radio, and so he wants to get on more stations. And I was talking when I was talking with him about that, I asked him a little bit about his show, and, and he told me how he got his gig. Now, I'm thinking, you know, you're in a morning show slot. This is prime time. Morning show on radio is where the money's at. Uh, and Mark, yeah. you having sold radio for the longest time, that's where the ad dollars come in, is the morning. That's where they want to be, yeah. Uh, you're going to pay more to be on the mornings. The shows are worth more. They hire the best talent for the mornings. And so I thought, you know, this guy, Andy, he's probably been in the business for a decade, you know, uh, sent his resume in sent in a show demo, and, and got hired for this morning show gig. Turns out none of that's true. Turns out this guy had never been in radio before. Turns out he didn't even have his own podcast. As a matter of fact, what happened was Don Imus, as you well know, last year, the S hit the fan with the Don Imus show, and uh, the CBS or whoever it was that was syndicating, I think it was CBS, canceled his contract. And uh, so Don Imus had a bunch of radio stations that he was on, and our affiliate in West Virginia, WVTS, was one of those stations. So all of a sudden, the station found themselves without a morning show because they were using the Don Imus show. Right. And so they were in a they were in a situation where they needed to find somebody to fill that void. Now, I guess they didn't have anybody inside the station that was really angling for it, or maybe they didn't figure they were going to be doing a local option. I don't know what the sta- station's employees were thinking. Can't speak to them. But I know this guy, Andy, uh, the guy who, who has the show now, the morning show there, he, is, he, calls him, he uh, describes himself as an entrepreneur. And he walked in the, the door to this radio station and handed them a proposal. He didn't even give them a demo CD. I mean, this guy this no check. completely unconventional, the way this guy got a morning show gig in a, you know, relatively decent market. Charleston, West Virginia, the capital of the state. He walks in with a proposal, a business proposal, and this rang a few bells for me. He walks in with a business proposal offering to do their morning show for them for an entire year for no money. No money's good. <laughs> Not much of a risk for them. They hired him. And now I he's can't believe the they, they didn't have air check at all. He said it was really. It, he said it was a really rough first few months as he was learning about how to do radio mm-hmm. on literally, you know, thrown to the wolves on the air, learning how to take calls and, and they, run the board. They didn't give him a producer or anything. I think he had a producer. He well, did have a God producer for that. But uh, but still, it was rough according to him. Yeah. Uh, but but my point here to to, to tell the, the reason I wanted to tell the story was as an encouragement uh, to those of you who are out there that are looking to get into this business. I'd never heard of such a story before. I mean, there's so many amazing, interesting, unusual, unique stories in this business as far as how people got their foot in the door. And I, I have to say, I uh, highly recommend the option of offering your services for free. 
willing to be willing to work for free or possibly you know bringing in sales to the radio station that's a great way to get man you know the management to really take a look at you because they're not going to have to lay out any cash to get something on the air something uh, that's that's produced locally uh, so it was an amazing success story yeah the doing the sales part is um it's it's not the easiest thing in the world it takes a little while to, yeah. to get used to it so you have to stick with it but well and and that's why I told him, you know, I said, well, you're going to do fine in the the world of syndicated radio because you're an entrepreneur. You're somebody who you're not just a talent. And in the radio business, there are a lot of people that are just talent. That uh, they're they're somebody that that wants to go into a studio, flip on a microphone, do their air shift for three hours or however long it is, turn off the mics, go home, and at the end of the week, collect a paycheck. That's what most people in radio are looking to do as far as on air work. So if you're willing to take it a step beyond that, if you're willing to do all that for nothing, if you're willing to go out and hit the streets and try to roust up some sales for the station or roust up some sales uh, for your show, going above and beyond the call of duty, acting more as an entrepreneur, as a business owner than just a talent, you'll do a lot better than, than the average talent. And you'll be a lot more valuable, too, if you, especially if you're bringing advertisers with you. So I throw that out there as a suggestion to our younger listeners who are interested, and some of our older listeners that are interested in getting into the business. There are wonderful opportunities out there waiting for you. You just have to be ready for them. You have to be ready to jump on those opportunities when they come up. And this guy was there. He was Johnny on the spot. He knew there was an opportunity available, came in with a proposal. They liked it. They took him in, and they, he's got the morning show gig. What an amazing success story. Yeah. It's really something. I've never heard one quite like that. I can't say he's making money yet. I don't know about that. I but, think it's just as I think his first year is just finishing up right now. So I don't know what the negotiations are going to be like on into the future, or how successful the the show has been or the station has been as a result. Yeah, I obviously don't know nearly as much about radio as you do, but I don't think that a lot of people make a lot of money their first year, anyways. No. And you really can't be expecting it. You've got to enjoy no. enjoy what you're doing so that you are willing to do it for free and and put your own time into it because to get it off the ground, it's it's not easy, and you're not going to be well paid for it. You've got to enjoy doing it yourself. So imagine. You, as somebody who's looking to get on the air, you taking a similar tactic, except actually having a demo to come in with. I mean, then you're going to be doing, you're going to even better shape than this guy was. Because he walked through the door with a business proposal. He didn't have any audio for the guys to listen to. I'm shocked they, they hired him. Sight unseen or unheard, if you will. So uh, if you but actually... He probably talked to them for a period of time and, and you know, made them... You know what, he was a caller. He did say he was a caller prior to that. So no, they, that they, they were aware of who he was. But, uh, you know, if you've got a product, if you've got a podcast and you've been practicing at it and then you walk in with a proposal and a demo, odds are pretty good something might happen for you. And you can try the internship route as well. Anyway, more on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system. Over 300,000 posts for you to surf around through serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all, and it's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. You can lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet. 
Check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to ftldiscount.com. You can read some real testimonials and find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. All right, let's go to the fast food lanes. Uh, in this particular case, uh, an old lady got into it with a cop. Yep, grandmother arrested at McDonald's drive-thru. Um, this from the Associated Press in Clearwater, Florida. A 70-year-old woman was arrested at a Clearwater, Clearwater McDonald's drive-thru because police say she wouldn't pull her car forward. Statistically, there's just more 70-year-olds in Clearwater, so this is more likely to happen. (laughs) Authorities say Jean Marola, a grandmother of eight, was arrested for disorderly conduct after she refused an officer's orders to move her car while she waited for her coffee and fries she had ordered at the drive-thru window. Marola says McDonald's, McDonald's employees told her to wait there for her food. Marola was handcuffed behind, um, put in handcuffs behind her back and put in a, the police cruiser. Another officer arrived and took her to the uh, county jail. Marola says she was searched, photographed, and fingerprinted. Um, she was later released on her own recognizance. Um, wow. And that's as, about as far as the story goes. The rest is left up to speculation. I kind of poked around on the internet, but not much no more. more detail. Is, no more detail yet, but... From this article, the way it's written to me, it sounds like she was waiting um, for her food and there was an officer behind her. I don't know. I'm speculating a lot here, but she claims she was told to wait there for her food. Um, She was waiting in line for her food and the officers told her to pull up. She says, no, the McDonald's employees told me, wait here for your food. So wait, now, are you speculating that there was a cop behind her or is that part of the That's what I'm speculating is that the cop was behind her. I don't know. She was in the line waiting for her fries Right, because otherwise someone would have had to have called the cops on her. Right. Like, you know, 911 emergency, there's a lady who's not pulling up in the drive-thru. And she was just waiting (laughs) for her fries and coffee. It's not like she had ordered... 500 hamburgers and was sitting there refusing to move forward until it came. She's just sitting there waiting for her fries and fr- fries and coffee that's taken a while. And the police decide to arrest her for disorderly conduct. Is this really what the police need to be spending their time on arresting an old woman, a grandmother of eight? I don't think so. I think if, if uh, this old lady was sitting there blocking the drive through, you know, if she had gotten her food and was just sitting there eating it and refused to move, then, you know, if McDonald's was asking her to move and she wasn't, then, then right. it's a property rights violation. And, of course, they would have uh, the ability to... Right, there to- should be a complaint from McDonald's before the police officer can do anything about this situation. Right, but if it's just He's, a hungry just, bureaucrat... Right, he just he was annoyed by this lady and used his power. And he gave her orders to move forward. She's like, no, I was told to sit here and that's... When you refuse an order... Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. dear. He's lucky that's- she didn't get tased. <laughs> I know, <laughs> And it, it just goes to show, I mean, why are these orders so important? Why is a police officer ordering you to do something uh, so important that we must follow these or we're going to be arrested for it? I mean, what makes them so special? It's their authority. They perceive that they have authority and they don't want to be to have it challenged. They don't want to have that authority questioned. And whenever it is, they get very, very upset mm-hmm. because you're, you're challenging the core of their existence. Their whole their whole existence is predicated around their uh, their jobs and their the idea that they are of a special class. A uh, they're they're better than us. That the police are special and we're just little peons. And you know how dare you? How dare you refuse my orders? And then they show them what for with and their taser or their clubs or their pepper spray or. And now whatever. this this old grandmother has to. 
go through being handcuffed, put behind the back. Is that really necessary? Mm. I mean, she has to go through being photographed and fingerprinted at that age. I mean, what good are you really doing her? Are you protecting society from this crazy woman? She doesn't sound too crazy. No. She, she sounds maybe a little senile. Maybe she misunderstood what the McDonald's folk were saying to her. Maybe she did, She missed the part about pull ahead. But either way, this is a situation that would have resolved itself within minutes. Mm-hmm. They would have, if she, it doesn't make it clear where she was at this time. Right. It doesn't make it clear if she was at the ordering uh, area with a little, <laughs> you know, that. She's not in that area. Maybe she was up at the, uh, the, there's windows sometimes at McDonald's. Sometimes, the one we have here, there's two windows, right, Mark? You go to it all the time. What are the two windows for? Are they both pickups or is one an ordering window? One one you pay at and the other one you pick up. But okay. sometimes when it's late night, say, um, they won't use the first window. So maybe she pulled up to the pay window, but that's closed sometimes when it's not a busy time and you pay and get your food at one window. You may have pulled up to the wrong window waiting there. I mean... I, it I doesn't just, sound like she was at the receiving window at all. I just so feel, I maybe feel she was waiting like, at the pay window, and they told her to wait at the pay window for whatever reason. Who yeah, knows? oh, it's all—it's really speculation because there's not many details. I just think that there's better ways for the police officers to be handling this. And let, let's let the McDonald's employees have right. their crack at it first before you have to to bring out the big guns. Well, right, because within a matter of minutes. Whether she was sitting at the payment window or whether she was sitting at the ordering area, the McDonald's employees would have eventually either, if she was at the ordering area, they would have said, please walk on your finger window. And then, you know, she could have gotten up and gotten her food. Or they, uh, at the very least, they would have come out and handed the food to her. I mean, they want they want to move that line along as right. quickly as possible. So if they come to the understanding that they have a senile old lady out there who's not really understanding, maybe she's having trouble hearing the speaker, she's not understanding what's going on, they'll send an employee outside and say, look, just take her her food. Let's Let's get her out of here. Give her the food. She moves on. The problem solved. Yeah, this is this is just a guy, uh, an individual drunk on their power, as a cop who uh, you know got annoyed with some old lady who was, believe me, living in uh, down in Florida. It mm-hmm. can be annoying dealing with the oldsters. <laughs> sure, absolutely. But there was no reason for this. This is this is one of the reasons I I never advocated honking at these people. You know, if you're if you're behind one of these people in their uh, Lincoln Town car and you're honking at them, they become confused. Yeah. They don't know what's going on and, and they slow down further. So then the honking goes and, and pretty soon, you know, it's the spiral down the toilet bowl. There's, there's no good reason. Well, one other thing about this case is that beyond the fact that McDonald's eventually would have figured out what was wrong. I mean, they would have figured out that. Uh, there, there's some usually. I, I think there's a sensor. Yeah, they have a little clock too, and they don't like to have that go over like a minute or two. Right, so. right. They have a certain <laughs> speed of service, quality of service that they that they adhere to. But there's also a sensor in many uh, drive-throughs, sort of the similar kind of sensor that they have in front of stoplights, so you know when a car is there. That's how they know when to key up and say, "Watch your order," you know, because mm-hmm. there's a, some sort of an indicator that goes off that someone is there. Well, they would know that if the sensor hadn't gone off, the old lady hadn't pulled up. They would they would ask her to pull up. But beyond that. If the police were really out there to protect and serve as they claim to be, if this cop was actually protecting and serving this old lady, he would have gotten out of his car and said, ma'am, 
will you go ahead and please pull up? And she would say, no, they've instructed me to wait here. And he would say, oh, okay, well, let me go check with them on that. And he could go up to the window and say, hey, uh, the old lady back here says that she's uh, wait, you know, been instructed to wait. Why don't you just give me her, uh, her food and I'll go take it back to her? I mean, if he was really interested in serving and, and protecting, then that's what he would have done. The problem would have been solved and he wouldn't have had to get out the handcuffs and take an old lady down. Sounds reasonable to me. Right, but that would be actually if he was interested in protecting and serving, which they aren't because that's just PR. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. A California store has stopped collecting sales tax. We'll explain. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, and they include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com and the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is happening June 9th through the 15th at Porkfest. You'll be able to see firsthand why New Hampshire is one of the country's best places to live and also see firsthand why Ron Paul loves New Hampshire and its activists. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Learn more at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. 1-800-259-9231. Let's go to California, Mark, and talk about a story that relates to a story we uh, have been covering, we covered recently on the show. There was a guy we had on over the weekend in Illinois who is going to be violating the new Illinois smoking ban. Uh, He has a business where uh, it's a a, a cigar shop slash liquor establishment, and he's decided he's just going to keep allowing people to smoke in the cigar shop and see what happens, see if uh, see what the state decides to do in that case. And apparently a man in California is doing something similar. What's going on? Yep, it's uh, Scott um, Silvera. His new slogan, no protection, no collection. Silvera is the owner of Scout Home Hardware on the 5,000 block of Telegraph Avenue in North Oakland, protesting what he calls Mayor Ron Dellum's anemic action on public safety, as well as Governor Schwarzenegger's uh, proposed state spending cuts. Silver has stopped collecting sales tax at his business. When it comes to um, time to file his regular quarter return, Silverman said he won't pay the state what is uh, legally owed. He put the plan in motion Thursday as of 4 p.m. He made uh, $450.70 in sales, not collected a penny in taxes been really great, Silver said. I think one of the more unsuspecting things it gives us a um, uns- unexpected things it gives us is a chance to tell people who come in and buy something what's going on in the community. North yeah, o- that's going to get someone's attention. I mean, if you walk in, you've been used to pl- to paying sales tax on every single purchase you make. I mean, here in New Hampshire, we can't relate to that, but uh, but it used to be that way when we used, uh, lived in Florida. If you walked in and all of a sudden someone rings something up at nine dollars and ninety nine cents and nothing gets added to the total, you're going to say, "Hey, what about the what about the tax?" And that opens up a conversational opportunity. Yeah, it's it's, it's a funny feeling. North Oakland's been rocked by two high profile crimes lately. State Senate President Pro. Tem Don Peretta, Democrat Oakland, was 
carjacked at gunpoint on uh, December the 29th. And last week, 10-year-old Christopher Rodriguez was paralyzed after being struck by a stray bullet while Jeez. taking a piano lesson. The pursuing chase ended in a multiple-car crash right in front of Silvera's shop, he said. Silver said he'd started thinking about his uh, tax strike after Christopher's shooting, and the Dellum State of the uh, City address Monday left him unconvinced that things would get safer in Oakland anytime soon. Dellum spoke, um, spokesman Paul Rose strongly disagreed with Silver, saying, as you know, during the mayor's State of the City address, he mapped out a comprehensive plan <laughs> that especially addressed the needs of bringing peace to the streets of Oakland. Look, Oakland's been crime-ridden for years. I don't understand what this mayor thinks he's going to do. He's got a plan, Mark. Yeah. Dellum's going to turn it around. <laughs> it's comprehensive, is his plan. If it fails, so what? Pay your money, citizen. Yep. Dellum's, um, Dellum's challenged city officials to ensure the police department reaches its authorized force of 803 officers by the end of the year, and he Jeez. highlighted social programs his office is working on in order to attack the roots of crime. As for the criticism of state budget cuts, H.D. Uh, Palmer, the governor's finance spokesman, said uh, Schwarzenegger decided to propose across-the-board budget cuts to distribute them as broadly and equitably in order to fill a uh, $14.5 billion budget hole. Looking ahead, Silvera's problems likely won't be just the mayor and the governor, but with the California State Board of um, Equitization. Yeah. Uh, Board of Equitization spokeswoman Anita Gore said sales tax evasion can draw penalties and fines of up to a year in jail for each offense. Wow. There will be a cost. So, wait, wait, wait. Every sale that he makes is an offense, right? There will be a cost, she said, of Silver's plans, which could include jail time. Silver is confident, however, the worst will, um, that will happen is he'll be forced to personally cover what his customers normally pay in taxes. So he's thinking, you know, 8% discount on our sales. He hmm. said any uh, merchant along uh, his block... Uh, let's see, many merchants along his block have been robbed at gunpoint, and about a month ago he lost three computers with five years of financial data from his studio on 49th Street. Something has happened, he said. There needs to be a catalyst. Reaching 803, a debate opened this week. Oh, well, let's just talk yeah. about the cops. But, yeah, I mean, you know, this guy's got a protest going, and, well, I don't think it's going to go well for him. Well, I like this. I like his slogan, no protection, no collection. Yeah, what if other people actually got on board with him? I mean, uh, this is one. What if two, right. three, ten other businesses around him started doing this? That's what it would really take to make this a serious issue. That's what it would take to... Um, I mean, right now, it's like, oh, look at this kooky guy. He's not paying sales taxes. But if there's, wacky. if there's five or ten businesses that have, have joined on with this protest, then it becomes a movement. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes something to be reckoned with. Uh, now, are they going to go and shut down ten businesses? They might. I mean, it is it is the government, and they use force. That's what they do best. So uh, this guy may end up spending some time in jail. Who knows what they're going to do to him as a result of this? They might pull his his occupational license. They might pull permits uh, to to prevent him from going back into business. If we get more updates on this story, we will certainly bring it to you. But I have to hand it to the guy. I mean. I don't know what – obviously his politics we probably would disagree with him on because he's concerned about, I'm sure, some things that are uh, relatively unimportant in the scheme of things. But to him it's important. And the protection issue I agree with him on completely, the idea that there's all this violence around him, that the streets are out of control with, with violence and the government claims to be the, the organization that's supposed to keep you safe. They claim to exist to protect you to protect your freedoms, to protect you from uh, from violence, to protect you from theft. 
and yet you've got shootouts, you've got right. gunpoint robberies, you've got all kinds of uh, terrible things going on. And if it's true that the government is into some sort of you're in some social contract with the government that specifies that they protect you in return for your obedience and you collecting the sales tax for them is one of those methods of, of being obedient to them, then it's clear they're in violation of their side of the agreement. And, in fact, of course, we've seen so many Supreme Court cases over time that have, have made it very clear that the government at, at no level, federal, local, state, at no levels, does government have any obligation to provide you with any services, even services so elementary as the service of protection. That is what the Supreme Court has said and ruled over and over again. So if there is no obligation on the government's part to protect you, where how is the obligation created for you to collect money for them. Right. These, I think he's on solid ground. These sales taxes that uh, this guy's collecting are essentially like pr- protection money for the mob. The only yeah. thing that you're paying for with protection money from the mob is that the mob doesn't come and get you. Well, when he doesn't pay, then the, you know this lady uh, threatens his uh, threatens his safety, mm-hmm. his very freedom, but they don't protect him from anybody else. Exactly. It's a really crappy setup we've got going. Yeah, not to mention that he's forced to be a bureaucrat and collect money for the government. He, mm-hmm. he never signed up or decided he wanted to become a bureaucrat every time he made a sale, collect taxes for the government. I well, mean, one could argue, Toby, that... When he too. got his business license. Yeah, that he, then he <laughs> went into business and asked the government for permission. He did agree to play by their rules. Well, it, it's a crappy system. Yeah. It is. And and we all know the only reason he went and did that was because he was scared to not do it. Yeah, they would have gotten him if he didn't go <laughs> right. apply for his yeah. business if license. If you don't get, get the license, they come and try, they shut you down. And everybody knows that. So that's why people jump through the hoops. But congratulations to this guy for being so courageous as to stand up to the government and, and to make it public. I mean, th- he's getting coverage on uh, InsideBayArea.com. I saw a version of this story on their, their local television station. So... The government bureaucrats, they are well aware of this going on, and uh, I don't imagine they're taking too kindly to it. So we will see what happens over time. And if you're in the Oakland area listening to the show, go pay Scott Silvera a visit at uh, Scout Scout Home Hardware, the 5,000 block of Telegraph Avenue in North Oakland. Buy a few screws from the guy or a uh, you know, nail gun or something like that. I mean, everybody needs some hardware at some time, so... Uh, 8% discount. Yeah, help this guy out a little bit. Yeah, th- I bet you his business is going to boom here. I mean, if people get the word that he's not charging sales tax, he's going to have some major increases in sales. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. Take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Even in these remaining moments, enough time for your call. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. The show is Free Talk Live. The number again, 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Uh, when you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. 41 categories to shop in. Great service. Just uh, an incredibly huge selection. Super prices. In many cases, free Super Saver shipping. So go and get your shopping done and feel good because not only are you getting a great deal, but Free Talk Live will get a percentage. If you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. That is, again, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Let's go to the phones. To the fun, James in California. You're on Free Talk Live with the Intobian and Mark. Hello? Hello? James? Hello, is James? somebody there? We're here. Are you there? 
Yes, yes. Okay, I'm being followed by the New World Order. Okay, <laughs> uh, you, you think it's a joke? Where are they right now? Look, they keep uh, they circle my place all the time. They barricade me wherever I'm on the freeway. What kind of I, cars I'm, do I'm they getting, drive? I have, video, I have video proof of this. I just started videotaping them. My name is uh, James Weston. Um, Allegedly. Now, what? Now, why do you think they're following you? Look, I looked up on the FEMA concentration camps. Are you well versed in that? We've heard the rumors. Uh huh. Okay, you've heard the rumors. Well, there's one right by where my old house is in Valencia. I decided to go there mm. one night as I was driving back to Seal Beach. But I decided to go to the Odyssey restaurant. I said you can get a good look at it. Well, it was nighttime. I went there. Okay, I just looked at some things. I asked the valet, what are they doing over there? And I saw one car with no license plates, and I thought it was following me. So I went down. Mm. You know, there's a shortcut. You don't know where this is. It's in Balboa, you know, by Balboa, by the 405. So now, is yeah. in California, then, do they have the plates on the front and the back of the car? Um, they had no plates on the front or the back. But you're supposed to have them on both? On the back, yeah. Oh, folks, it's not on the front, though. Uh, they weren't on the front nor the back. I don't know if right. you have to have them in the front. You don't know. And you live oh, in California? One. I'm videotaping them right now. What, what kind of car is it? Um, it's a white, is this a Jeep Cherokee? Um, the New World Order nice drives though, Jeep so. Cherokees? <laughs> now, what well, makes you I mean, believe... It, it, no, hold on. We need to reset and go back a little bit. Because, okay, you said you were at a restaurant well, and... You, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't let me explain, sir. Then yeah, explain. I, I want to um, hear the okay. whole story. So you're at the restaurant. Okay, well, let, let, let me tell it then. Go right okay, ahead. Okay, so I thought this was odd. So um, next time I, I went out, I was on the freeway. I was trying to get my birth certificate for a, uh, for a passport, and the same cars that kept circling this place were around me. A lot of them started with five. A lot of the license plates started with five. So now, now they have um, plates. I, you don't understand. There's so many of them. Some of them do not have license plates. Some of them do. Some of them have license plates. Some of them have expired license plates that are blue or black. So they're circling your car. Some of them will be very old. Excuse me, sir. Are you, are you going to let me We're just I'm asking clear. questions for clarification, okay? I'm trying okay, okay, to understand I'm so, I'm what it is you're telling me. I, you want me, okay. Do you want me to sit here and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, and pretend like I'm understanding you? No, no, I, I, I'd like to answer your question, sir. Okay, okay so, so you're driving again, and you're surrounded by these cars. Yes. And what are they doing, exactly? They're just driving next to you, driving in front of you? A lot of them... A lot of them are on phones. I found it really weird. One of them that was in a black Cadillac Escalade, there were two exact same Escalades in front and back of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, until the left of me, they were in front and back of each other. One of them was holding a pink sweater with his right arm outstretched. Now, what do you suppose that means? Was... What? What do you suppose that means? I, I, how should I know? I, 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 I just and, but, wondered but what it could possibly mean. How? Now, wait a minute. Was he holding the sweater out the window? No, he it was it was stationed on his seat somehow, and he was holding the the whatever sleeve of it with his right hand, and his right arm was outstretched. Now, so this is a vehicle with no tinting. You're able to see this through the window. Yes. How unusual that the uh, the New World Order would be driving around in cars with vehicles with no tinting. Yeah, they seem pretty bad at surveilling Look, people. I don't so. know what they are. I don't know what they are. I don't know if they're NSA or or CIA or what. I don't. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. Why do you think? Now, how long has this been going on? It's been going on for about six days now. Six days. So you believe it all started when you went by this uh, alleged FEMA camp and took a look around? Uh, yeah, I didn't really look around. I told you I went to the Odyssey restaurant. I saw kind of the outskirts of it. I asked a question to one of the valets what mm-hmm. they were building over there or what was already built. Yeah. And, of course, the fence, the, the barbed wire was facing the other way, you know, to keep people in, not to keep people out. 
and I've been constantly followed. A lot of them are the same cars. I'll see the same cars over and over and over. Do you believe over. that the valet uh, snitched you out to the uh, to the government? No, I'm just saying that is what I said. I don't I don't know what what um, exactly they were following you for, but I heard that you will be under government surveillance if you go by there. How do you know that they're following you? I mean, I see cars all the time. I don't assume that they're following me. Okay, well, if you say the same cars follow you from Seal Beach all the way to Valencia, and they park right by your house, and they're the same cars you see all the time, that's uh, that's an hour and a half drive. There you go. What do you think their intentions are? Are they trying to scare you? I've actually talked with... uh, Corey Costas, who um, works a little bit with Alex Jones, he said it's kind of like the uh, the man behind the curtain type thing. Like they're trying to scare me, but he said that some people, you know, something they've uh, killed some people or made it look like a suicide. So what right now I'm doing is I'm making video. I've made videotape evidence of it so far, and I'm videotaping. Why don't you go try talking to one of them? Yeah, that's what I was going to suggest. Why not just Uh, approach them? Oh, oh, yeah. um, Let me tell you this. Okay, I saw one of them last night. I decided to kind of bait them, you know, go a little bit further, from, go a little bit far from where I lived, about, I'd say, 100 meters. And there was a Hummer, looked brand new, with no front license plate, okay? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it waited for a little bit at the intersection, then took a right turn towards me, right? So I run at full speed, okay? At full speed. I'm talking as fast as I can. Yeah. It stops in front of my place and makes a U-turn, okay? I stop it. I'm like, stop, right? I go right in front of the car. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy opens his window. I said, you're following me. And he says, you're full of shit. Oh, we can't let you get away with that. 800-259-9231. I think he's full of uh, (laughs) that. He's a little paranoid. Yeah, paranoid. (laughs) Well, one thing we found out from the call is that the New World Order drives American vehicles. (laughs) With no tinting. (laughs) Lots of different kinds. Apparently holding pink sweaters in the front seat. (laughs) Talking on cell phones. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if I believe that he's really a paranoid kook or if that was a crank call. I, I think that if it was a crank, it was a darn good one. <laughs> and I, I liked everything until the last word. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was enjoying it. I wanted to continue exploring that with him. But uh, if it's real, I feel bad for that guy. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, really, if you are being followed, then that can be a kind of a spooky situation to be in. But the idea that the government's going to s- <laughs> let me just let's just put this in perspective. What what he was claiming. He claims he went to a restaurant nearby an alleged FEMA camp. Now, if, you, uh, if you're in the world of the conspiracy theorists, and it sounds like he's pretty uh, steeped in it, uh, if you're in this world, you think that the government is setting up uh, detention camps around the country in order to put uh, dissenters into, which, you know, that might come true in, in the future. Uh, but they believe that the camps already exist. Many of them believe that there are gas chambers in there, a la, you know, Auschwitz, uh, and uh, the the Nazi German uh, death camps. Of course, they don't have anything to really back up their claims beyond some shaky video shot by some other crackpots of uh, some old Amtrak facilities. Uh, so that's what you learn if you if you really dig into it and and investigate their claims. So this guy is a- allegedly on the outskirts of one of these alleged locations, poking around a little bit, and now the federal government is going to all of a sudden put a, a, a team of six vehicles uh, and <laughs> you know, ha- however many people on his tail full-time to find out where he's going and what he's doing and chase him around? Are you kidding me? I mean, I understand they've got a lot of resources on hand, but 
Who is this guy? He's right. just some nosy conspiracy theorist. I mean, there are so many of these people that believe in these conspiracy theories that have gone by these alleged FEMA locations. Why aren't they tracking all of them down? Why don't they have six, car- six cars on every single uh, conspiracy whack job out there? <laughs> I mean, the idea that, uh, that you're so important that they will spend all this money and time on you and make themselves so obvious... If they were going to make themselves obvious, and it sounds sounds to me like they're pretty darn blatant if what he says was true. If they were going to be so blatant about what they were doing, why not threaten? Why not come up to your front door and leave a note or knock and, you know, threaten you? Say, if you set foot near the FEMA camp again, we're going to kill you. Or something like that. Yeah, otherwise they're just wasting their time not being very efficient. If they're they're, trying to scare him by following him for six days, sort of following him for six days, that's that's pretty inefficient. And you're believing this New World Order is this thing that's capable of so much, yet they can't even scare someone, right? Yeah, just ludicrous. Let's go quickly to Tony. Tony, you got about 20 seconds. Go. Well, first of all, the uh, issue about the sales tax... The 13th Amendment says there not to be any involuntary servitude except as a punishment of a crime. Yep. Isn't that the truth? And everybody that collects sales tax is actually an unpaid tax collector. Absolutely, yep. including the business owners that are withholding people's taxes from their paychecks as well. Great point, Tony. Thanks for the call. It has been Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Back tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com and watch out for those people carrying sweaters. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.